All right. I invite you to grab your last cup of coffee, pick up that last donut or bagel, and come and find a seat. My name is Susan Van Riesen, and I am one of the pastors here at the Vineyard, and it's, um, it's a privilege to be here with you this morning. Okay, for the next nine weeks, we are entering into a sermon series on prophets and prophecy. Prophets and prophecy. So we're especially going to be looking at two books, Amos and Joel. How many of you are super familiar with Amos and Joel? <laughs> okay, a few of you. I know that a Bible study did Amos a couple years ago, so that's awesome. I think a lot of us are not that familiar with them. They Amos and Joel are two of the 12 minor prophets in the Old Testament. And I just want to say that when I say, or when they're referred to as minor prophets, it doesn't mean that they're the lamer prophets or just the less important prophets. It just means that they're the shorter prophets. So this goes back to St. Augustine, who distinguished the 12 shorter ones, and he called them prophete minores which just means like, it doesn't mean minor league or something. It's just the shorter prophets. The four longer ones are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. So you might be asking, hey, Pastor Susan, why Amos and Joel? There are 12 of these minor prophets. Well, I just want to begin by saying that we had a sense that God wants to speak to us as a congregation and as people who live in the Silicon Valley, particularly through Amos and Joel and what they are, some of the issues and topics and and the context that they are dealing with. Also, we're especially wanting to look at Joel because as we do now and then, we are doing a series um, with a number of other churches in Palo Alto. So God is doing, has been doing something really wonderful in bringing a spirit of unity among the churches in this whole, actually the whole Bay Area. I think there's something where there's a wave of desire to be more unified as churches who are following Jesus. And so particularly once a month, the pastors in Palo Alto, we meet and we wanted to go deeper in our community together and our pursuit of unity. So we study scripture together and then we challenge each other according to our traditions and our perspectives. And sometimes we trade um, pulpits and it's just been really life-giving for me and the other pastors. Just been really wonderful. So together with Peninsula Bible Church, Lord's Grace Chinese Church, and First Christian Church in Palo Alto. It's been more churches sometimes, but it's just four of us this time. So we'll be doing the a series on Joel together a little bit later in the spring. But I would love to invite you to engage these books, these sections of scripture together with us, because you're going to get a lot more out of this if you give yourself. One of the ways to give yourself is to read these scriptures yourself in your non-Sunday devotional times with God. Um, but also, I want to invite you to just learn a little bit more. Uh, there's a big cultural and uh, time gap, right, between us and the Old Testament. But it's worth it to learn, to stretch, 
to what is going on there and, you know, what are their genres and what's being communicated in this literature. So one tool that I think is great is called the Bible Project. And if you go on their website, they have like six or seven minute videos that talk about each book of the Bible and give you a little more context on what's going thematically and historically. So I really encourage you to do that sometime as we go along. Today, I want to jump into a kind of meta theme and address the whole topic of prophecy. What is a prophet and what is prophecy for Christians according to the Bible? So I realize that we all, that many of us are coming from very different places in terms of prophecy and prophets. Some of us have a strong, deeply rooted sense that the gift of prophecy is a wonderful gift to the community of faith and to individuals who have that gift. Some of us have deep, uh, many stories and a deep his, spiritual history of engaging with prophecy as just a, a normal thing that God gives to his people. And that's clear from scripture. Others of us are kind of vaguely aware of something called prophecy or prophetic. And we think it's in the Bible, but we don't know exactly how it works. And I just want to say that's okay too. You don't have to be coming from a certain place to receive what God has for you this morning or ever. To your average non-American, uh, non-Christian American person, I, I texted and emailed a number of my friends who are not from the Christian tradition. And I asked them, hey, what do you think of when I say prophecy or the prophetic or a prophet? And one non-Christian friend said he associates prophecy with fantasy literature and video games. Apparently, there's a lot of prophets or there's that theme in fantasy literature and some video games. I don't know about that. I wish I did, but I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, another person said, wasn't there something in that movie series, The Matrix, about the prophet? I know more about The Matrix, so I was like, no, dude, that's the oracle. And uh, she was a black lady who smoked in her kitchen and baked cookies. That's what I remember. Not sure if you're familiar with that series, but yes, I think that this concept of prophecy is a theme in lots of different stories or films. Um, and it's this vague sense of the person who knows the future or the person who can interpret what is the deeper meaning of what's going on. For others of us, it's associated with the various self-proclaimed prophets who prophesied that Donald Trump was destined by God to uh, win the 2020 election. I'm not sure if you're familiar with some of those voices, but there were a number of people who said Donald Trump is going to win the 2020 election. The awkward thing is that he didn't. And so there was some conversation about, like, what, what do you do with that when you declare that something's going to happen and then it doesn't? So there are a lot of different associations with uh, the prophetic, prophecy, prophets, and I'd like to talk a little bit about that. So I'm going to do a little overview of this. So first, a, a definition. Prophecy is a message that has been communicated by to a person by a supernatural entity. For us, God. For Christians, we believe that God speaks through prophecy. And this is just one of the ways that God speaks to us. 
A prophet, or technically a prophetess, is a person who has an encounter with God and regularly speaks on behalf of God, serving as an intermediary between God and his people or a person. So I'm going to tell you four things that I think are really important to know about prophecy before we jump into learning from two particular prophets, Amos and Joel. The first thing is that prophecy is very present from the very beginning of the Bible and the very beginning of the story of the people of God. The first person who is named a prophet in the Bible is Abraham. So there's a big theme about Abraham and his wife and accidentally giving his wife to other kings and this is a theme for him, he has a problem. But when he's going, uh, there's a local king named Abimelech, and he's being instructed by God regarding Sarah, Abraham's wife, to return her to Abraham. So God counseled Abimelech to do the following. This is in Genesis 20, verse 7. Now, therefore, restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for you. You shall live. And if you restore her not, you know you that you shall surely die, you and all that are yours. So I would say this is a uh, word from God that, you know, is very sharp, clear, direct. Abraham is the first person directly named as a prophet, but he's not chrono- chronologically the first prophet in the Bible shown prophesying. The first person that the Bible shows actually prophesying is someone named Enoch, who is one of the earliest patriarchs named in Genesis. So, and we hear about that in the book of Jude. So prophecy was a part of the way that God functioned and the way that God leads his people since the beginning of the whole story of the people of God. The second thing I want to point out is some people prophesy, but they're not all called prophets. So you wonder like, hey, how does that work? If you prophesy, are you a prophet? So there are many people in scripture who utter or write prophetic statements, but not all of them are, uh, are in the role of a prophet. An example of this is Saul, who would become the king of Israel. Saul falls under the influence of God's spirit, and he begins prophesying. This is in 1 Samuel 10, 9 through 12. So while Saul is technically giving words of prophecy, he's not referred to throughout the scriptures as a prophet because that is not the main role or the primary gifting that he has, or the Bible doesn't treat him as a prophet. So prophecy is something that lots of different people can do, but if it's not your main role or gifting in a community, you're not called a prophet per se. So this is why we in our church understand that God might give a word of prophecy or a word to give to another person or a congregation um, to all of us even though you may not experience yourself to be an ongoing, regular prophet um, or have even a primary gifting of prophecy. So some people prophesy, not all are called prophets. Thirdly, there are also false prophets. So there are individuals who claim to speak on God's behalf, but they may not necessarily. In Matthew 7, 15 through 20, Jesus warns his followers of false prophets. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but are inwardly ravenous wolves. 
you will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? So every sound tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears evil fruit. A sound tree cannot bear evil fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will know them by their fruits. So Jesus explicitly says, hey, you guys, everyone that says, I have a word of prophecy, they're not always true and from God. And he says, um, he, Jesus gives us a way to know whether they're true or not, which is by their fruit or the results of their words or their ministry. Um, and Jesus assures us that there will be judgment for their work. He's like, don't worry about it. God's got this. You need to just discern by taking a look to see what is the fruit of, of their work. I realize that... Um, there is a Christian leader who's just bugging me recently. And uh, and part of me is tempted to go, you know, what should we do? Or let me just uh, speak negatively about that Christian leader. And I, I realize God's word is to say, you know what, Susan, you can calm down. I'm not depending on you to fix all things in my kingdom. I am going to, I'm aware of things that are wrong. And I'm going to take care of it. Judgment will come, and it's mine, not yours. And so that gives me comfort to know that God doesn't need me to fix all things in the church. Fourthly, the most important thing that we need to know, and this is, let me highlight this (laughs) with my word and my body. This is a really important thing, is that prophets function as a crucial part of the greater story of God, the greater story of God's relationship with people, okay? A prophet is not just someone who speaks random things, okay? A a prophecy, though it may seem random at times, is not random. It's all a part of the greater flow, the greater story, the greater purpose, the greater narrative of the story of the people of God and God. Okay, so, and this is the greater story. This is the version. God rescued Israel, especially from slavery in Egypt. He invited them to be a nation of justice and generosity that would represent God's character to the whole world, to the nations. And so this partnership required Israelites to give their trust and allegiance to their God alone. And in the Bible, this was called a covenant. A covenant is a binding agreement between two or more parties, which forms the basis of the most significant type of relationship. What's a very significant type of relationship is that where you also use the word covenant? A marriage covenant, right? So in our world, like it's one of the most intense and committed and important relationships you can have. So this is like a shadow or a, a reflection of the covenant that God has between himself and the people. Um, so the people have this are invited into this covenant relationship with God. But the rulers and the priests and the kings of Israel lead Israel astray and violated this covenant. So this is where the prophets came in. Their role was to call Israel back to faithfulness and back to this covenant with God. 
And they usually did this throughout the scriptures, and especially in the Old Testament, in three ways. They constantly accused or challenged Israel for violating this relationship. They would call Israel out and say, whoa, you know this is the foundation of your covenant with God. Don't worship other gods. Don't make alliances um, with foreign nations and their gods. That's called idolatry, and it's counter to your commitment with this, this covenant relationship with God. Violence. Uh, allowing injustice and oppression to infiltrate the way you treat your people or other people. These are things that the the prophets were constantly saying, whoa, 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 this is not okay with God. So uh, pointing out when Israel is violating their relationship with God. Secondly, the prophets would call Israel to repent, to turn around, and remind people that God's mercy was totally there if they repented. If they turn back to God, remember, the character of God is loving and merciful. So if you change your ways, God will receive you, wants relationship with you. But so often, the people of Israel would not do that, and the leaders would not lead their way to change, which led to the third way that the prophets spoke to the people. The prophets announced the consequences for breaking the covenant with God. And God would also would often bring justice for Israel's corruption. And oftentimes this was used, this was expressed using cosmic, poetic imagery. And they would talk about something called the day of the Lord, where God would bring his justice and he would, it would, he would get to the end or a pause in his steadfast patience and release some of the judgment and that of other nations around them. Um, this is not the same thing as our modern concept of the end of times or the Armageddon. It was a, a day of the Lord which would release some of the justice, um, of the fury of God um, against unfaithfulness. So it's very important that we understand that the primary movement, the theme or the concern of the biblical prophets is always calling Israel back to relationship with God. And the living out of God's values. Okay, that, you know how a foundation is so important to understanding anything in the Bible. Okay. Um, and this makes sense, right? Prophecy is not just for spiritual oohs and ahs. Okay, I think sometimes it's easy to be like, oh, it's like a, what's that thing to have a, Crystal ball, you know, like fortune telling or something, you know, like, I just want to know what's the future going to be like. Um, it's not just knowing the future and it's about calling people back to a trust relationship with God, a covenant relationship with God. And sometimes also, uh, to show God's power and presence to non-believers. And this happens on a larger communal level, um, but also on an individual level. God is always at work through many ways, through his word, through his Holy Spirit, in community, through prophetic words, through tongues, through all these different ways that God is at work to bring his people back to him. Because we, like the leaders of Israel, love to stray. We love to stray. We are prone to wander, aren't we? 
think I might have told this story before, but I'd like to share a story of how I experienced this before. I personally don't consider myself prophetically gifted. I don't think that's one of the main ways that God has worked through me in ministry. But um, like with many of us, God has given me words of prophecy at different times. I don't know if I would call it that. This is what, uh, this is how I experienced it. You know, I pray regularly, try to pray every day. And I try to pray about the things that are on my heart. But also I try to be open to God and, you know, we have a conversation with God. And there was a season in my life a number of years ago where every time I tried to pray, God would bring up this one person. Okay, and be like, okay, so let's pray for my family and, you know, for, you know, for work and for church. And then it's like God would say, and the name of this person, it really got to the point where it was annoying. You know, or it was like, I'm okay. I don't even know that person very well. Like, well, I'm praying and I already prayed for him. But I feel like God just kept bringing this person to mind. And so I was like, okay, what do you, what's the deal? <laughs> what do you want me to, what do you want to say about this person? And I felt like God brought to mind that this person was in a dangerous space. Uh, this person was married is married, and was in a dangerous space in terms of being tempted to have an affair with someone at work. That was awkward for me, and I was like, why are you telling me? Surely there must be other people that would. Um, And it got to the point where I was like, I just can't hold the tension of this anymore. I will now text this person and say, can we have a conversation? So I texted the person, and I asked, can we talk? And um, so we had a phone conversation, and just, again, this is not my normal thing. So I was like, could I give an extra sermon or something, God? But I feel like the Lord's like, talk to this person. So I'm like, hey, how's it going? (laughs) How are each of your family members and any friend that we have in common? Um, So finally, I was like, I don't know why, but God is bringing you to mind in my prayer times, and I totally could be wrong, but I'm wondering if maybe there might be some temptation with you and maybe a woman at work. (laughs) Um, Turned out that there was. Um, He had not committed adultery yet, but was really on that path, and he had just confessed it to his best friend, like the day before. Um, and he's like, well, it's very interesting that you say that to me. Um, and you know, I think, um, he had been on his way to bringing, uh, patterns and choices to the light, um, and felt very convicted that God was with him and also sees him. And then my burden was lifted. I was like, okay, great. Talk to you later or never. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I, you know, I I think a word from God doesn't always come like thus saith the Lord. Sometimes God just is wanting to give a message to people and he uses people who have gifts in prophecy, um, people who are known to be prophets or random people to communicate by his mercy and by his kindness to his people. That's the central purpose of prophecy, to call us to repent and come back to God and the ways of God and alignment with God and faith in God and peace in God. 
But one problem that I would like to point out in our modern American context is that with many Christians, we are tempted to be focused on what will happen and when, right? Do you, do you see that sometimes, the temptation? And, you know, I, I'm not immune from that because that's kind of, like, interesting, right? Or maybe it gives you a sense of power or control even to be fixated on what will happen and when. Throughout, gosh, for a long time, there's always people who will say, I know when Jesus will return. Right? Have you heard of any of these stories? When people were like, on the year, this memorable date, or this non-memorable date, or you need to pay attention to me, because I'm going to tell you that Jesus will return on this date. And the thing is, has it happened yet? They've all been wrong. Um, and then they find, they recalibrate and figure out a reason to um, find a different date. And I've never heard from a mistaken self-proclaimed prophet why they were so focused on defining that date in the first place. Because Jesus himself in Matthew 24 says, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Throughout Jesus's ministry, he's like, can you not focus on exactly the day? That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying, be faithful, be faithful, be, watch your heart, be aware of what's going on, look for signs, make sure you're ready. But Jesus never said, and make sure you find someone who's calibrated at down to the specific date. Yet, there is a large swath in American evangelical Christianity that is very focused on either the date or speeding the return of Christ. Or speeding the return of Christ. Uh, by helping, there is, there is a, um, a thread in American Christianity that believes that our, uh, we will speed the return of Christ by helping the current nation of Israel to own and occupy the whole land or territory formerly known as Israel, like in the uh, time of the King, of King David. So this is sometimes called by some people Christian Zionism. And it is based on the belief that the establishment of the current state of Israel in 1948 was the fulfillment of biblical prophecy from various passages in Ezekiel and Zechariah. And that Israel, having a homeland in that land, is key to Jesus returning. And there are some who feel like, let's be a part of that and kind of make that happen. Interestingly, most biblical scholars and mainline denominations do not interpret these prophetic passages that way, but there is a small stream of authors and preachers who have been very influential in shaping modern evangelical beliefs in this way. So, for example, a 2017 poll, and I realize that's seven years ago, but uh, found that 80% of U.S. evangelical Christians believe that the creation of Israel in 1948 was a fulfillment of biblical prophecy that would bring about Christ's return. And more than 50% of evangelical Christians believe that they support Israel because it's important to the fulfillment of that prophecy. But most of them were not able to state where in the Bible that prophecy occurred. Now, um, I don't want to go into politics, but I want to talk about prophecy, okay? Um, and I want to state that, unfortunately, the uh, a certain view of prophecy emphasizing 
the bringing about of certain apocalyptic events leading to the end of history rather than living Christ's love and justice for all people today. Um, And there are some leaders who are so into this, they are quite comfortable with ideologies of empire, colonialism, and militarism in order to bring about their interpretations of prophecies to come true in the modern state of Israel. This is uh, Pastor John Hagee, the founder of the Christian Zionist advocacy group, Christians United for Israel, preached that the right, this is his quote, the righteous rage of America must be focused on Iran. Let me say to you in plain Texas speech, America should roll up its sleeves and knock the living daylights out of Iran for what they have done to Israel. Hit them so hard that our enemies will once again Fear us. Now hear me. My point is not that we should or should not be pro-Palestinian or Israeli. Okay, that is not my point. But we sh- my point is that we should k- be careful to interpret prophecy correctly with faithful adherence to what biblical prophecy prophecies are for. What biblical prophecies are for. Jesus certainly taught that we must take seriously that judgment will come for evil and faithlessness. And he encouraged us to be spiritually awake and aware of what God is doing in the world. But he never encouraged his followers to be focused on figuring out exactly when Jesus would return or picking a particular political side to be on, to help to hurry the end times. And he certainly did not invite us as primarily followers of Jesus to give us to align ourselves with political power, violence, war, and genocide. I hope you're getting the sense of how important it is to understand the purpose and context of prophecy because it's really important in how we see the world, how we see the world. Because prophecy is a powerful thing and a great blessing from God, but it needs to be used and understood correctly. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So just because there are some people who use or understand prophecy in ways that you might relate, not relate to it or feel comfortable with or uh, agree with, that doesn't mean we should just shut the door to prophecy. We should eagerly desire for God to speak to us in every way. But we should also ask when there is a word of prophecy, especially because prophecy can be confusing. Has anyone ever felt confused by prophetic words? They just are often confusing. We have to go back and say, well, does it align with the purpose of prophecy? Does it align with Jesus? Does it align with scripture? Does it align with the character of God? Does it align with the teachings, what Jesus wanted us to be about? There is something so good and helpful and so sweet and so useful when God speaks to us. 
but I want you to know that there is a purpose and a plan for prophecy. There's so much. I um, had to cut about two other sermons worth of stuff. So if you have questions or you want to know more, oh, come and talk to me. How can you discern? How can you wield prophecy? How do you hold prophecy? Prophecy is not always comfortable or clear, but it is something that's so good that we ought to eagerly desire it and be open to it. So just a few words about living out this teaching as we enter into this season of sitting before the scripture regarding prophecy. One, we are all tempted to know, want to know about the future, right? How many of us here would just love to know of of certain things in the future, right? Is this thing going to work out? Where's this kid going to go to college? And you know, my job, should I go this way? Right? We all want to know the future. But the main purpose of prophecy is not to get us to know the future. The main purpose of prophecy is to align us back to God. So we should be more concerned with faithfulness than the future. Should I say that again? We should be more concerned with faithfulness than knowing the future. What was my second point? I think I changed it. Can you? <laughs> ah. Are you open to hearing prophetic words? So there's no point in learning about prophecy if you're not open to it in the first place. Right? With discernment, with wisdom, with receiving it communally. But are you open in the first place? Do you believe? Are you open to the idea that God could speak to you? That God does. That God wants to. I have to confess, the other day I was sitting with someone. And I could tell this person was a little uncomfortable. And so I said, wait, are you trying to share something with me? And the person said, yeah. I could tell they like have been preparing and feel kind of anxious about sharing something with me. You know what that's like, right? <laughs> when you sit down, you're like, uh, you're kind of hemming and hawing. And then the person said, well, I've just been noticing this thing in this part of your life. And I got to tell you the truth, it did not resonate with me, Right? I was like, okay, have your say. (laughs) And I was like, well, thanks for sharing. But then afterwards, I felt like God was saying, are you open to that? Maybe they didn't say it in the exact way that you want to hear it. Maybe you were, uh, you know, coming down off of morning coffee. Maybe you weren't in the right place. But are you open to hearing messages from God to you? And let's just do a heart check about that. Right? Especially in area, you know, on a Sunday morning, you're like, yes, Lord, I'm open. But then, what if it has to do with your money? Hmm. What if it has to do with your job? What if it has to do with that, those three little areas in your life where you're like, oh, no, no, I built a little screen to that area? That is a no-go area. Are you open? Are you open? to hearing the words from God in all areas of your life. Are we open as a congregation? It's not just individual, right? It's individual and communal. Is there a word from the Lord? And for us to go one way or another way or repent or make changes, are we open? I hope so. That's my prayer. I, I want to be. 
And finally, is there a word of prophecy? And, and you don't have to call it prophecy. Is there just a message that you, that God might be giving you for other people? And I hope that this morning gives you the category that it might happen. It might be that God, and if that's true, you need to hold that with humility and ask God for wisdom, but also take courage and share what God has given to you. And who knows, the person may be like I was to my friend, like, thanks. But your job isn't to make people's hearts open. Your job is to share what the Lord has put upon your heart, right? Are we open in these ways? Let's pray together. Oh, God, I just pray that you would help us to be open. We know that you are alive and drawing us to you all the time and wanting us to be in rightful covenant relationship with you. Um, okay, here's a, a word. And I humbly lay it before you guys. I don't know if it's prophecy, but I feel like God has put on my heart earlier this morning and even now that there are some of us here who are in relationship with God, but not a covenant relationship with God. Um, that it's kind of a um, lighter relationship with God. Uh, but God is wanting a covenant relationship with God, a, a permanent, a really, really committed, more than marriage commitment relationship. That's like the rightful relationship he wants with you. And if you are, if you recognize that you have a more, uh, a light relationship, an acquaintance relationship with God, he's wanting to point that out. And maybe you've had a covenant relationship with God, but it's drifted into acquaintance zone. And I think God is pointing that out today. Come, Lord God. And I just pray that you'd speak to us now. And as always, if there is any area of your life where you know that you have a, a little screen surrounding, maybe some area of sin or fear, I want you to know that God uh, is calling that out today and inviting you to be uh, to receive the, uh, the cleansing of Jesus, his work on the cross for you. That means confession. Oh, Lord, you're so good, and you are worthy of trust. Come by your spirit and continue to minister to us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.